What an awesome moment that we get to have and experience the presence of God in our lives. That we get to experience not only just his blessings, but we get to experience him. We get to experience his heart. We get to experience who he is as a father. You know, one thing that with, with my kids, and I, I know I will probably, I'll probably share more, and one thing with my kids is that we were, we were discussing something, and, and, and it, it was a correctable moment, and <clears throat> I, I told them what the new standard will be in our household with what just happened, and, and they said, yes, sir. And, and if you know my son Isaiah, he was like, yes, sir, and he like put his hand up, and I was like, listen, buddy, thank you. But no, I said, I, and if you do this, that's, I'm just, I'm just telling you for, for, as for me in my house. And I stopped him and I said, no, if you say anything, I just want you to say yes or yes, dad, because that's the relationship that I have with you. And the Lord reminded me of that this morning as I was getting ready. And we have, again, we have four children, one on the way and, and as was teaching Sunday school. So she's, you know, getting ready and we're, the craziness is happening. And I just began to ask the Lord, like, hey, uh, God, as I'm getting ready, and, and I'm like, God, you know, last week I didn't, we didn't, you didn't let me speak, Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's okay, I'll deal with it. But this week, I want to do whatever you want to do. And all of a sudden, I just felt like it was just quickening of, yes, Dad. Because the relationship that you and I can have with a loving father, with our heavenly father, is that we can begin to know him as a personal loving God. Now that's hard because that can be hard for some of us, especially myself who lost my physical father at 11 years old. So all that I knew was the loss of a dad. All that I knew was the heartache and pain of a father figure and then my leaders would stand up and talk about how good their heavenly father is. And I'd sit in the chair with my arms crossed and be like, I don't, I don't believe that at all. And it wasn't until years later that I began to realize that he doesn't just want to be my God, but he wants to be my father. And I know that that same heartbeat that the father has for me, that he downloaded for me is what he wants to do this morning in each and every one of our lives as he does not want it to be where in this circumstance and situation where we just know him here, but it's like we want to know him up here. We don't just want to take our relationship with him for just an everyday Sunday service, but it's an, or an every Sunday service, but it's an everyday moment that I wake up that I get to commune with him. I get to talk with him. I get to speak with him. And not only do I get to speak with him, but he wants to talk to me as well. It's not a moment of, of me taking a Santa Claus list and putting it out and saying, God, I want you to. And I start saying, A, do this, and B, do this, and C, do this, and D, do this. No, 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 no. It's like I, I get to sit and just say, Father, what do you want to say this morning? Because my heart is postured. I want to know you so much more. I was, I was convicted this week um, as I went for a haircut the other day and and I'm sitting there, it's this brand new place. Uh, to me, it's a brand new place. And so I go in there and I have no clue what to do. It's like one of those places that you're supposed to know what to do when you walk in there. 
So there was that awkwardness um, that I, I didn't know where I was going. And in fact, there was a mix up because I had a recommendation from somebody to go to this person while my wife got the wrong name. And so I then called, scheduled an appointment with someone who I thought I would know and they would know this person of, uh, of, of ours. And yet they had no clue who I was talking about. And so they created this awkwardness and I was like, you know what, just, and they're like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, dude, I'm here. Like, let's just go. I'm ready for it. So I start getting this haircut and, um, and we, start, we start talking and it's the small talk because we're getting to know each other. And I'm like, you know, how long have you cut hair? What have you been doing? You know, that's awesome. How old are you? I mean, we're going through all this different stuff. And then it comes to my turn. And he starts asking me my age. He starts asking me, you know, about just my family. And then he says, and what do you do for a living? And it always makes me laugh every time. Because I always try to think of something different each and every time that I get asked that question. And I said, well, um, I get the amazing opportunity to partner with God to see people's lives changed. And it was quiet. I was like, okay. Now, granted, just by the way this person was talking and the verbiage that they used, I don't know quite if they follow after God as much as I would probably think. And so they said, okay, that's cool. And then just kept cutting hair. So needless to say, it got a little bit more awkward, and I was like, oh, Lord, give me a joke. Give me something, you know, something to say to this, to this gentleman. And so we began to talk again, and uh, we're, we're kind of, again, we're going, kind of going back and forth. And, and you could tell he's intrigued. So he's like, okay, so when did you fill, or why did you go into this pastoring profession? Why did you go into that pastoring profession? And I got to tell you, like, I was dumbfounded for a few seconds because I was like, why did I go? (laughs) So I'm sitting there. Now it's my turn to really think. (laughs) And, And I stopped and I said, you know, it wasn't just this choice. It's because he first chose me. And then when I left, you know when you always leave the conversation and you start replaying in your head, you're like, "Mm, I should have said this. And boom, Holy Spirit would have fell if I would have said this comment. And instead, I just got the amazing opportunity to talk with him, bless him, and, and, and discuss with him, and hopefully we'll see him one day here, here at church. And, uh, but when I walked out, I felt like I was just having, replaying this conversation in my head, and, and I just began to just say, you know, why do, I, why do I do what I do? You know what I mean? And I just literally stepped back and said, it's because I want to be a voice to my generation. I want to be a voice of hope to my generation. I want to be a voice of true identity into my generation. And I just don't want it to be to my generation. I want it to be those that are are above me, are before me to dream again. And those that are below me to have visions of to know this is what I'm called to do. It was a couple weeks ago that um, I was scheduled to preach. And, and, uh, you know, I say a couple weeks ago. It's like, you know, right before that Sunday. Not right before. It was, we were scheduling out and... And I was like, yes, I'll take it. I can't wait. And that week, I remember waking up from a dream, and it felt like it was super long. And it was in the, now stay with me for a quick second. It's, it was a video game that was kind of going on in my head. And it was first person, 
uh, interactive. So that means that you can see your hands, but you can't see yourself. You're not watching from behind a guy trying to explain this the best I can. Um, uh, I feel like my youth that's telling me like, this is how you post to this social media, Pastor Tim. And so they're telling me how I was watching in the dream and, and we're in this, I'm in this field and all I remember is falling to my knees and starting to feel something warm and gooey um, and oozy on my head. And I kind of reach up, and if you know anything about me, I, I'm, sometimes I wash my hands a couple numerous times, and I'll try to get in between because just don't like sometimes the way that it feels. And, uh, and I reached up, and I touched my head, and I looked down, and it was oil that was beginning to flow um, off of my fingers and, and down my hands. And I remember, like, going, what in the world? <laughs> And I'll never forget in the dream, and, and I just felt like what the Holy Spirit said was that I'm anointing you for such a time as this. And I'm, yeah. So I wake up, and I can still feel it on my hands, like even like right now, I can feel it. Like I could still feel it on my hands when I woke up, and, and so then Ezzy wakes up, and she's like, I had a crazy dream. I was like, man, I had a crazy dream. So we start swapping stories. She, of course, goes first because she's amazing and, and ladies first. And so she said she was sitting at a table, this big, long table, and she was sitting with all the girls from the youth group. And she said that they started to eat food from the table, and they were like, no, that's, that's too sugary. No, that's too this. No, that's got too much GMO. And no, that's got too much. And she said they're going back and forth until finally they got to a thing where they started to recognize good food, and they started to eat the good food. And she's leading them in this, this, in this feast of eating actual good food. And, I was, and she's like, does that mean anything to you? And I was like, well, here's the dream that I had. So I start telling her. And so it led me into a good little study of what I want to bring to you this morning. And I have a few minutes here. It's Psalms chapter 23. And, may, and it's a psalm that we can quote. We've probably, you've probably got it highlighted. You've probably got it underlined, uh, marked up. But can I just speak for the next few moments of what I feel like the Father's given to me in my heart for this psalm, and we're going to go through the whole entire, we're going to read through it first, and then we'll kind of break it apart. But what I believe what he wants to do this morning is the, the restoration of, of knowing that when we bring the sacrifice to him, that he's the one who begins to anoint and cause the fire from heaven to fall. Last week, we saw so much great anointing and so much great power. That, you know what? Also, too, like if you, if, who, who was all touched here last week? Like you just got a touch from God last week. Yeah. If you got any touch and you'd love to share, we, we as pastors love to hear those testimonies because it's by the word of our testimony in the blood of the lamb, right? How we see victory. And so if you have any testimony that you would love to share, you can, you can talk with Pastor Dina. Pastor Dina, would you wave your hand for me? You can talk with Pastor Dina or Pastor Matthew, Pastor Matthew, would you wave? There you go. So we got two sides for you. So you can be able to go through and and talk to one of the pastors. We'd love to hear that. But when we begin to uh, have this amazing encounter with God last week, you know, I I began to say, God, I just don't want it to, to stay in this four walls. I want it to be in this temple that I carry it wherever I go this week. And then I just don't want it to be like, and when I got in this morning and I was praying and, and you know, I'm, I had my notes from last week and I was like, God, do you want to continue with that? Do you want to, you know, add something new? So today's going to be a little bit of kind of a merging of the two, of a little bit of the new and old. Um, but when I, when I went into the prayer room, as I always do, and asking, and uh, I, excuse me, I got the amazing chance to be prayed for by our prayer team that was in the back before service. 
And as soon as they laid their hands on me, instantly I saw this vision of an altar with a sacrifice on it and fire from heaven just began to fall. And I feel like that's what the Father's saying today is that he's igniting the sacrifices that we have brought time and time and time again. It is not just gonna, and I, I, I can feel it strong, okay? Like, I feel like it's a prophetic word, not just for our house that we've had constantly, but it's a prophetic word for each of us individually that you and I have brought sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice into the house of God. And this is going to be a season that we are going to see revival break out like never before strongly believe that it's going to be fire that's not just going to fall on the house. It's going to be fire that falls on individual hearts and minds that's going to cause revival to go out into our city and into our marriages and into our children and grandchildren. And even myself that I'm saying, like, I want it to go into my grandchildren. I don't have grandchildren right now, but I'm declaring the word of the Lord that he's good today. And grandchildren upon grandchildren from my legacy, from my yes to God today is going to know that Grandpa Tim, said yes to God and we're declaring the promises that he has. That is the legacy that we get to hold on to here at Valley Church. Not just a brick building that Pastor Rutson put together or the roads that's being paid by Pastor Lynn and Renee, but, but the glory of God that has been sacrificed for time and time again that you and I will not just see this building full of people, but we will see our generation saved and set free. I want to be the voice to my generation that declares the goodness of God in the land of the living. I want to be the voice to my children that you are who God says you are. I want to be the voice to my marriage and my wife that you are a child of God. Lady, be set on fire with his word. I want it to be that voice in my generation. Does anybody want to be that voice this morning? Woo, it's getting hot in here. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank God I put on deodorant. That was awesome. <laughs> you know, it's, isn't it cool when you begin to say yes to God? A couple weeks ago, we were in this relate. We're in uh, and we're in this study um, a series in the youth group called "Determine the Relationship" (DTR). And it's funny because like. When we first said that, we started talking about, well, are we going to talk about like how you should date, what you should be looking for when you get married, and, and, and Lord willing, we'll get there. But what we decided to start off with is, what is your relationship with God like first? What is your relationship with the Word of God first? What is your relationship with your yes to God? And we had some amazing speakers come through, and, and two of them, uh, David and Fallon, they spoke on their yes to God, and it was so cool because like I had no clue their testimonies. I mean, maybe a little bit of bits and pieces, but nothing to this knowledge. And when they got up and shared, they began to talk about their yes to God, like even the times that they said yes, even matched, and they, had, they were nowhere near each other, and they just knew that their yes to God was so powerful and so strong. And when we say yes to God, we're declaring, we draw a line in the sand that says we're not going back, but we're moving forward. Not a line in front of us just to stop us at a boundary, but I believe what the Lord's saying is because we say that's the ground that we've taken, now it's time for the next step for us to move in. And, and this is where this, the, the psalmist comes in. Psalm 23, or 22 and, and 24 are all about praise and worship. But in the middle of it, we find Psalms 23 where David is writing. And he says, the Lord, and this is coming from the New Living Translation. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. 
Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, you, honor my, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Just for a few moments here, I want to bring you to just this subject. I feel this is the title of the message. Anointed, not disappointed. Anointed, not disappointed. So we find in all these different areas of our own life that we can David is writing and he begins to talk about how he is praising the Lord. And in Psalms 22, he's describing how good God is and his unfailing love. And he's going through and, and praising him. And then we can find it in 24 as he continues to praise the Lord. But Psalms 23 is just six little verses. But tremendous impact that it has. It's little verses that we hear that we read time and time again uh, we hear it mostly, you'll hear them mostly at funerals. Uh, you'll hear them in different times throughout our life. But David is, is stopping for a moment to describe how good God is in the midst of circumstance. He takes a few verses and he stops and he says, but we first need to recognize how good of a shepherd that we have. Not just how good our God is, but how good he is to guide and protect us. You see, when he starts off, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, what could be described as my provider, my protector, my guide, my teacher, the one that points me in the right direction. It's first understanding, like, like the Bible teaches us, that if we are going to come to Christ, we must first understand that he is God and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You and I have the choice to be able to make him the shepherd of our life. He is so good and so generous and so kind that he will not force his way for each for force his way onto us but he will set the path straight that we have unfortunately made crooked of ourselves. David not only describes him as the provider and protector the guide and the teacher but then he says but in him I have all that I need. David is stopping for a moment to see the actual blessings that I have a God that who loves me and cares for me and in him is all that I need. When I position myself and my heart to be able to say yes to him, I'm putting, excuse me, I'm putting myself in a position that I know that all my strength and help has to come from in him. Not just comes from him, which is amazing and powerful and his blessings wanna flow, but I just don't want it to be a mirror that I'm doing it so I can get the blessing. I'm doing it so that I can be in relationship with him. I'm doing it in a way so that I can be able to say I am in him and he is in me. How do you, how, Pastor Tim, what's the difference? It's in the way that we think, in the way that we talk, in the way that we walk. It's in the verbiage that we use when we put ourselves in him. Why? Because that puts us in a different seat, seated with him in heavenly places. It's not just he's here, but it's I get to sit with him because I'm his child. It's as much as with my kids, they, they uh, were here quite a bit at, at the church building. And 
were hanging out and they began to know that they could, if they needed to, they could use one of my keys and they know now what door unlocks, unlocks what. Why? Because of the amount of time that they're with me coming through the doorways. Can I, can I tell you it's the exact same way that our heavenly father wants to be with us, that you begin to know the keys that you can use to unlock what God has the potential for us to do? But, but it's, it's like taking those keys the first time. I mean, you come into the building and we normally always scare some of our first staff members, like, here's all your keys. And it's, you know, it's quite a bit, right? That you don't want to be swimming with them. And, um, and, uh, cause they'll pull you to the bottom. And so, but the keys begin to unlock and you begin to know which doors to take. And I feel like what the father's saying again this morning is for us to take that amazing opportunity. When we are in him, we know what he wants to do and what he wants to say. And we know what doors that he can, he, he, tells, he tells Peter, right? He says, what you loose in heaven will be loosed on earth and what you bind in heaven will be bound in earth. That goes into relationship with the father that we begin to know our mindset is his mindset and our heart posture is his heart posture that we begin to know that in him is all that we need. Um, you see, when, when David stops and he starts talking about the goodness of God, that he realizes that not only, uh, not only can he know where to go and who to go to, but it also can cause his enemy to stumble. Because the, the enemy's greatest thing is not destruction of you, it's distraction of you. It's not the destruction, it's the distraction why else? I mean, so uh, at the house, we're, we were um, blessed with uh, chickens and to have our own eggs. And in my family, we, we eat a lot of eggs. And um, so we got some chickens. And, um, <laughs> and I'm not quite the chicken person, but my wife is. So that makes us chicken people. Okay, <laughs> I would rather be us like downtown Boise in a Skyrise apartment, uh, but that's okay. Uh, that's where God has us. And so I'm, we, we put this coop together and it was amazing. And then we kind of did this makeshift, uh, really makeshift kind of run for them so they can run around and be chickens and be awesome and make lots of eggs. And yesterday, because of the weather's changing, which is awesome, love it. But that means that little makeshift covering is not going to last probably the first storm that we get. So I was out there getting the wood and, and preparing everything, and it was coming along good until the distraction happened. I had my headphones in. Um, I love to put my headphones in. It's got a really cool noise cancellation thing that you can do, so it blocks out all your noise. I mean, I couldn't even hear the kids screaming at each other. So, I mean, we were, we were, I was going, I was working. And then the distraction happened, like the, the music changed. I mean, it just kind of clicked on just different music and it started playing. And it went from like instrumental worship to like Christian rock music. And the music changed and I was kind of more bobbing along. And I happened to be trying to push, I made these pocket holes and I was trying to push uh, the screw in there. And I had two hands and I was like, if I just had one more hand, cool, I'll use my leg. And so I used my leg up and the, the screw, I mean, excuse me, the, the drill slipped and it went right into my knee and everything in me was like, Lord, you better come quickly. <laughs> I instantly took my headphones out 
told my wife I need a moment, and I walked into the house. And I shut my bedroom door, I went into the bathroom, shut that door, turned the fan on, and then just sat there and said, Jesus, help me. <laughs> but pretty, pretty rigorously. But I, but I realized something in that moment that we, that we can look here at the psalmist says, in him is all I need. So many times, my wife was standing next to me, and you know what I could have done to prevent all this? I'm, I know she, she was going to remind me, is I could have asked for her help. Right? Husbands, we don't do that. Ask for her help. Well, no. <laughs> Take my leg off instead. <laughs> Come on, you know it to be true. You laugh, but it's true. And I was instantly reminded in him is all I need. Have I made it where I'm trying to use my own effort to make it work and I end up getting hurt? And then do I blame God at that moment? Because ultimately I was the one that was trying to put it together. And this is where the psalmist David wrote and he said, but in him is all that I need. If I just would have put myself in the place with him to realize I'm his son, that I can ask and he's willing to give. So it, it, uh, Philippians chapter four, verse 19, it says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us, what? In Christ Jesus. We already have what we need. Men, we already have the, the amazing spouse that we have or people around us that want to gather to help us, but it's up to us to ask for help. And it's not just a guy's thing. It's not just a guy ego. It's all of us. All of us will get into this place of saying like, no, I can do it. And then you end up trying to use your own leg and it's still, I mean, I got like a thing like right here. Like if we hit it pretty hard, I'll probably go down. But um, like, and, 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 but yet it's, it's understanding that if it's in him is all I need, then why do I want to go anyplace else? It's just like Ezzy's dream. Why would I want to try to taste these bad foods when I know how good God is and the true food that he actually gives? So he, he begins to, he continues on in the psalmist and he says, uh, he, rest, he lets me rest in green meadows. See, David's writing and showing that the Lord is not making him to lie down, but giving him a place of his heart postured being positioned in a place of rest by eating on the Father's words. David was a shepherd himself, and in that, um, in that land, he was re realizing that he constantly had to keep the sheep moving to get to a place of vegetation so they could continue to eat. And so as the Lord continues to move us from day to day, we have to understand it's not just trying to make us lie down and go into that posture, but it's having us in a posture of rest in him. That we know that we are searching because it's his daily bread. It's not an oven cooked, uh, easy bake, uh, quick and easy, but it's a word that gets inside of our hearts and our minds that marinates constantly day after day after day. That, that's what is, brings us peace and comfort and stability when we understand that his words are everything that we need. That it, Jesus even said when he's being tempted, I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
That is how we live our life. We go to live off every word that the Father gives to us. Jeremiah 15, 16, out of the NIV version says, when your words came, I ate them, and they were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. When your words came, I ate them, and, it my, and, and they were my joy and my heart's delight. It's the word of God that we get to feast on that we get to put inside of us, that we get to live on, breathe on. And not just the physical word, but when we be position ourselves with the, with, the right, with the good shepherd, that we begin to hear his, physic, or his, his spiritual words as well that he gives to us. That is why the words of knowledge, the words of prophecy that end up given to us, it's like things that we can be able to go back to to know, no, this is what my father says. We have it with our, with, our, with our children. Let me put it like this way. We have it with our children that we begin to talk with them that unfortunately if things happen even with each other or whatever, their cousins or family members or friends or whatever, when we, get, when we start talking with them and they're like, well, this was said and that was said. And I always ask them, is that the truth of what I call you? And it always makes, especially my oldest, it always makes him stop. And he's like, no, that's not. I said, what does dad say you are? Who does dad say you are? And he has to repeat like the things we have gone over and said and talked with him. The same with our daughter, Emmeline. And we, we start going through, no, sis, this is who you are. And we start preparing, like letting them know and, and reminding them, this is who your father and mother say you are. That is the position that you and I have to come into that we come to know that I don't wanna just read his word, but I want it to be constantly going over in my head that I am chosen, redeemed, uh, I'm, I'm precious in his sight. I'm amazing, I'm powerful, I'm awesome. Why? Because I'm in him. And when I'm in him, I could care less what anybody else says because I know who I stand inside of. And you know what's cool is when we have a community together, to run life with. I'm so, I was, I was standing up here and in my mind, I was just thinking like, you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't as he's uh, teaching Sunday school, but I was just thinking like the people uh, that are standing in, in the, the pastoral staff, like I am so honored to run life with them. Like as Pastor Lynn and Renee lead us and guide us as the seniors and, and then our, our pastoral staff, like it's just so cool. I mean, you should see us. We have a lot of fun <laughs> throughout the week and we have a lot of, a lot of laughs, especially uh, with Pastor Matthew. He's just a great time. And, and, but it's like knowing that we have people that can speak into your life. I can go and sit in Pastor Rich's office and he's gonna speak life into me. I can sit with Pastor Christy and she's gonna speak life. I can sit with Pastor Dina and Pastor Matthew and they're gonna speak life. These are the people that we get to run life with. Somebody that has into our life that we can submit ourselves to that just speak life into me. And that is how we have to position ourselves with our heavenly father that I want him to speak life into each and every one of us. That his words be able to do that. Uh, he, he leads me besides peaceful streams. It's a place of comfort and peace that we see, not of turmoil and, and not of, uh, of, uh, of wind and rain, but yet understanding that just as Jesus did it with the disciples, he wants to do inside of each of our hearts and our minds that he wants to peace be still. That because right now there may be a lot happening in today's society, but can I tell you, Jesus wants to be our peace to be still. It doesn't mean that we stop moving. It means that I get to rest in him. 
It doesn't mean that we stop talking about, no, no, no. We continue to talk about the goodness of God and the peace that he brings. Why? Because our society today, our culture is looking for somebody to speak peace into their life. And it might as well start with us as the children of God. And so when he says that he's beside still waters, it's an opportunity for us to not only see the peace of God, but for us us to see the actual reflection of who we are in his presence, of who we are called to be. When everything else becomes, because that way all the distractions are gone, all the noise is gone, everything, the, the headphones have been turned off so that we can better focus in on the one that brings us actual peace. Uh, he renews my strength and guides me along the right path, knowing that in, in our, knowing that in our lives, when we trust in him, he causes the crooked roads to become straight. He doesn't just put it to you this way. It doesn't mean, when we say yes to God, it doesn't mean that the road necessarily will always be straight. It may be a time or two that we have to take some hurdles and we have to follow the will of God, which means we may go here, we may go there, we may turn left, we may turn right. There's a lot of times as we follow the presence of God, it's just like there's no, there's no real plan to it. We just know that our spiritual sail is up and Pastor Lynn's done an awesome job of teaching us that to follow after the voice of God. What is he saying? What does he wanna do? And I think we can do that into each and every one of our lives that I just don't want it to be the actual plan, but I want it to be the presence of God that we follow to know that it's his will and not our will. You see Exodus chapter 15, verse two, and it says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God. Everyone say, this is my God. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is my God. Yeah, you didn't even wait for me to say anything. You guys are awesome. And I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. That's what I was saying before. Um, my father didn't follow after God, to the best of my knowledge, when he died when I was 11 years old. But I know I claim this verse for me, that I will praise the Lord and that generations after me are going to continue to praise the Lord because of my yes to God. And so when, when Exodus is writing, because it says, if you read through 15, it's talking about it's the deliverance song that the Israelites have just now seen uh, uh, Pharaoh and, and, and them be delivered uh, from, Pharaoh's, from Pharaoh's wrath. Uh, and they, they actually drowned. This is where they were crossing through on the Red Sea. And we see it where Moses is leading the people in a victory song. And so I want this verse to ring true for each and every one of us, that the Lord is my strength and my song. You sing when you're happy. You, I mean, it's like you start to whistle. You're louder. You're, you all these things. I mean, it's like I was skipping. I was literally skipping through the gym the other day because I was just excited. Like I was like, dude, Leah's here and she's doing such an awesome job in our school and she's doing amazing and I don't have to worry about that. And so I was like going through singing VeggieTale theme song. <laughs> and she's like, I know you're happy because I can hear you singing. And I was like, yes, thank you, <laughs> you know? I don't know if I should take that as a compliment that I have a good voice. I didn't quite catch that part, but that's okay. Um, but yet knowing that this is my song, when I've been delivered, we become happy. We begin to know the joy of the Lord. But can I also tell you that in the, in the bad times, David's writing them to begin to know that he is our peace even in the midst of struggle. Okay, um, 
Can I get like, are you guys okay for five more minutes? Okay, perfect. I mean, like you're going to tell me no, right? Like, come on. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm still going to take the five minutes anyways. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. David sets the, sets the stage and talks it through a very difficult situation. Do you notice that he did not say, when I walk through the dark valley at nighttime, but he said, when I go through the darkest valley, if he's living in an area that has the canyons around, it doesn't have to be nighttime for the shadows to be cast over for there to be darkness. But what ends up happening is David knows that even when I go through circumstances and situations, I will not be afraid. Why? Because he has already established, this is who my God is. This is what he can do. I'm in him and he's in me. And now I know when I go through circumstances and situations, I will not be afraid because my trust is not in myself and trying to hold it up with my leg. But my trust is in a God who lives and breathes. And so he says, I will not be afraid. I gotta tell you, Isaiah chapter 41, verse eight through 10, and it's from the New Living Translation. It says, but as you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, descendants from Abraham, my friend, literally breaks it down. And he says, I have called you back from the ends of the earth saying, you are my servant for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Everyone say, he has chosen me. Chosen me. Turn to somebody say, he's chosen you. Verse 10, it says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. David's just, I mean, he's laying it all out there and, and he begins to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, they protect me. We can go into so many different things. I'm gonna try to kind of skim through just a little bit, but let me just lay the groundwork of understanding that the rod and the staff the rod is there for protection. I used to always think because like the Bible and the King James Version also describes that, you know, spare the rod, save the child. And so it used to be a little bit of a, his rod means that he's gonna spank me as much as he can because that's the type of father that he is. Can I just be honest for a quick second, right? Like that's how I would do it. And it wasn't until um, probably just a couple months ago, maybe a year ago, not that long ago, Pastor Lynn did an awesome job as he described what that rod actually was used and designed for. And it brought light. I literally, I mean, I was like, dude, this is amazing to know that he's just not this God up in the sky, big white beard, ready to throw a thunderbolt when I sinned. But he's a God who loves and cares that says, nope, you're starting to hit the boundary. And he puts it out and the rod comes out. Because I also know the Bible describes that who he loves, he corrects. And that's hard because not all of us love correction. We're not like, yes, please. I've never had one of my kids say, here's the belt, spank me. <laughs> never. They've never said, I did it, ground me. They've never, they've, we've never had this conversation unless some of you parents have, but not in our household. But here's the thing though. Knowing that he's such a loving God, that he wants to sit down and bring the correction in such a way so that you and I know the boundary. Hey, we've hit the bound, the bounds. We, we need to, to bring it back in. Why? Because we know that when we follow his laws and his precepts and his commandments that he's put for us, it's not so that I can try to go over them. It's so that I know the boundary that he's put in, in, my, in my life. The boundary that you and I have is because he says, 
here's the rod that I have to, it, it could also be, it was also used to not only bring correction, um, but also to, to, to basically throw out there to say, hey, you've gone too far, and the sheep knew to bring it back. It could also be used to count different, they found it where different shepherds would end up marking on their, on their rod saying, this is how many sheep that I'm, that I'm pasturing. And I began to look at that as this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's because I know that time and time again, God has been good to me over and over and over and over again, that I can go back and know his blessings from before. His staff, so that way it has the hook at the end to be able, like all of us, to ring us back and say, wait a minute, that's not the way that we go. And I love it to know that we have the word of God that we can go back on, that he can bring us back into him. He prepares a, a feast before me in the presence of my enemies. We find it in another translation where he says, he sets a table in the presence of my enemies. He prepares a feast that there are so many things. So my obvious question was, why am I sitting at the table of the people that want to harm me? And I believe here's the thing, because his next statement is, but you anoint my head with oil. You honor me with your, with your anointing. It's because what I believe is that what the Lord wants to do is have us sit at a table and for us to hit the noise cancellation headphones. Because I don't have to listen to the things that are speaking to me. I get to listen to the one that's anointed me. He says, I anoint, you anoint my head with oil. They would use it in times. Shepherds would use it so that way to be able, they even said that it would go into their ears to protect them from insects and flies. It would go into their ears or even over their eyes. It would anoint, the shepherd would anoint the head of the sheep to protect them. And when I started to read that, I was like, Lord, thank you for your anointing that wants to protect me. Because my anointing is not determined by the voices sitting at the table. My anointing is determined by the position that I have put myself in, that I am in Christ. It's not, put, it's not determined by the, the, the lies or the circumstance around me. It's determined by my heart posture that I first want to see his will and his kingdom come. And then he makes this next statement and he says, my cup runs over. Can I, can I tell you this? No, the circumstance doesn't determine my anointing, but what's up to me is the stewardship of my anointing. What's up to me is the stewardship of my anointing because it's just as the cup gets poured out into my cup, it's now my duty to steward what God has given me. Okay, let's go. I know you're like, Pastor Tim, come on. Let's go. Matthew chapter five, when he begins to talk about the five foolish and the five, the five wise virgins that are having the oil, what was the determination? Their stewardship with what had been given to them. Our anointing is dependent upon you and I stewarding it, meaning that we're bringing it back to the presence of God. Meaning, Pastor Christie's saying it amazing this morning, that we lay it back at his feet. It's stewardship knowing this is what he has given me. And as I continue to pour out on him, he just continues to pour out even more on me. And it's this thing that we can continue to go through. And so that's where this I'm anointed, not disappointed, because you got to understand what God wants to do in your life is so strong and so powerful. And he has a purpose and plan for each and every one of us. But it's up to us to steward it. It's amazing that it happens on a Sunday morning, but what about a Monday morning when we're on our way to work? What about a Tuesday afternoon when we're having lunch? 
What about a Wednesday night as we come to classes? All the things that David begins to describe and he says, but you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. And then he goes on to describe and says it like this. He says, um, and I, I sh- wait, back up, hold up. Surely goodness and mercy are goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in your house forever. So that I position myself to, for everybody else to know and for myself to know as well, I'm anointed I'm not disappointed. I'm anointed by him. Would you stand with me to your feet? In a moment, we're going to have our prayer team come down and it'll be an awesome opportunity you have to be able to uh, make your way out of your seat. And if you'd like to get prayer, you can. But I think just for just a moment, if you just close your eyes and put your hands out, I don't know the discouragement that you've walked in with. I don't know the heartache and pain. I don't. But what I do know is this, that when we position ourselves that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And not just over my life, but over my children. And not just over my children, but my children's children. And not just over my own family, but God, I'm saying it even over my subdivision, my neighbors, my house. I say it over work and our schools, God, and our nation, that I just don't want our cup to be filled, but I want it to be an overflow that when I'm at Walmart or wherever I'm at, at the store, God, that they just feel, somebody begins to feel healed, delivered, and set free just standing next to me. And I thank you, God, that this morning that we can bring our mess to you. We can bring our mess to you and you perform a miracle and that you anoint our head. So God, I'm just saying over every single section over every single person, over every Sunday school teacher, even our children in the back, God, we want your anointing to be so thick and strong that it drowns out the lies of the enemy. Your anointing to be so ooey and gooey and constantly feeling, God, over each and every one of us that no weapon formed against us will prosper because we're conquerors in you and through you. So we thank you, Father, for this morning. We thank you for what you have said to each and every one of us. We ask God that today would be a day that we draw the line in the sand. We say, we're not going back. Rather, it's our first time giving our heart to God or it's our hundredth time giving our heart to God. God, today is the day that I get to steward the anointing that you have given to me. That I don't have to listen to the lies or the naysayers, the circumstance, the situation, but I get to listen to the truth of God that I sit with you at your table in heavenly places with you. So be with us this week. Just go before us this week, God, that you already prepared the victories before this week. You've already prepared the victories at home that we're getting ready to walk back into, God. You've already prepared the hearts and minds of our, of our families as we're getting ready to go home, God. You're already preparing the hearts and minds of even people that we're gonna come into contact with, that they're gonna have a Jesus encounter this week with you, Jesus. And I get to be that glory carrier of your presence as we're anointed to be voices into our generation, we accept the challenge that we're not going back, we're going forward in you. We accept the challenge of being quickened this week, of being, of being moved that maybe we gotta go to the left or the right or maybe talk to this person or go this place or go that place, that God, our spiritual ears would be so in tune with you because we have allowed your anointing oil to flow over us and to flow into our eyes and ears for not only protection and to keep us, but to also use us for your honor and for your glory. 
And so we thank you for it this week. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you as you leave. Uh, there, we have a ministry team up here that would love to pray for you. Um, they, would, they would love to get the chance to talk with you, pray with you, discuss anything. Again, if you had any testimonies from the week, from last Sunday, throughout the week, Pastor Matthew and Pastor Dina are available. They would love to discuss with you. You guys are amazing. You're powerful. You're chosen and anointed. Go with God this week and we will see you on Sunday. Don't forget out front in the, in the front there, there will be bananas for everybody, for per family. So you'd ask they'd love to be able to release all those bananas to everybody. God bless you. Hug somebody before you leave. Give a high five to somebody before you take off.